0: What's up, you guys? Can y'all hear me okay? Awesome. Well, if you guys don't know me, my name is Zach. I am the intern this fall, and I'm actually in my third year at West Georgia. And so being the intern, I do a lot of important stuff. Like I clean out the closets, and I stack the chairs, and I even drive Tucker to meetings. So about a month in, I actually had to drive Tucker to a meeting. And as soon as he got in my car, he said, let's go to McDonald's. I want a burger. So we go through the drive-thru. And he starts eating his burger in my brand new car. Like, I got my car like two months before the internship. And then he just throws his wrapper in the cup holder. And I couldn't say anything. I was like, oh! Like, I, I couldn't say a word to him because I was like new. And I was like, oh! But I just let it slide. Um, but on a more serious note, I remember walking through middle school and high school um, thinking, trying to do this Christian thing right. Like, not resting in the fact that Jesus saved me. Or he did everything that I needed. All I had to do was accept him. But... I was focused on just doing that one more thing, trying to earn it, because I didn't truly believe, like if you asked me, I would have said, yeah, I think so, like I know, but I didn't really believe that I had done everything, that Jesus had done everything for me, and so, and that's my hope for you guys tonight. Um, As it was said earlier, Jesus has paid it all for us tonight, and so it's not about what you do, and it's not about getting the right action, it's about accepting him, and so that's my hope and my prayer for tonight. And so, if you guys don't know, we're going through the book of Colossians. And last week, Tucker was talking about chapter 1. We were in chapter 1. And Tucker was talking about how we see Jesus as Savior, but we don't recognize him as king a lot of the time. And I was thinking about that, and I said, wow, like, if we we don't see Jesus as king, it sort of cheapens his death on the cross. Like, it doesn't mean as much for us. And so, I was actually... About maybe three weeks ago, I was in the lobby, and um, it was a Sunday morning, and so I was trying to learn how we counted attendance. I was like, so do we have somebody come in the auditorium and count the heads, like, before or during the service? Or do we have someone by the front door, like, counting everybody as they come in? Or do we have somebody in the booth? Like, I didn't know. And I was genuinely curious. And Corey was there and Tucker, and I asked them, and you guys know the sliding doors in the front? The... So there's this black little thing like the motion detector that opens the door and closes the door. Well, knowing I'm really gullible, so like if that's one thing you guys want to know about me, I'm gullible. So Corey was like, yeah, that actually tracks everybody that comes in the door, and it sends it to an app on our phone, so we have a report of how many people came in. And I was like, oh, okay, so what about the same person? Like, What if they come in and out? And he said, oh, it, it, has, it like recognizes it, so it's not a big deal. And I... And I I truly believed it, and I went up to Lincoln, I was like, because Lincoln's my roommate, I went, yo, guess what, like, we can, like, there's this thing that tracks people, and then I found, like, they told me, like, no, we're totally kidding, and I was like, oh, like, I was, like, bummed, I was like, wow, that's really cool, but the truth is that, like, we do count people on a Sunday, right, but it got deceived and twisted into something else, and so that's what I think that Paul is addressing to the church in Laodicea in chapter 2. And so I'm going to tell you all what was circulating going around there. Um, it insisted that there was important secret knowledge hidden from most believers. So basically they were saying that, like, God knew stuff in Jesus, but then that he didn't want to tell us. So essentially, that's like you guys knowing all the answers for a test, but then not choosing to put the right answer. Right? So it just doesn't make sense. And then, because we have all that we need to know in Jesus. And so it taught that our bodies were evil. That's like saying food is evil because if we eat too much, we can get overweight, but in reality, you need food to live, and then the third thing was it said that Christ was only human, that he wasn't God, so essentially, has your parents have your parents, ever, like mine, they've always like told me, like, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, like, just watch out for this, you need to be mindful of this, if you don't study, you're not going to do good. You need to be careful with this friend group, and I was like, okay, okay. And then it actually happened, and then I was like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Like I didn't know, but I was told. It's the same thing with Jesus, with God coming down in the form of Jesus. And so, why is this relevant to us today? Why does it matter, right? Like some letter written 60 years after the death of Jesus. Why does that matter to me in 2020? And so that's what we're going to dive into in. Colossians 2, but I'm going to pray for us real quick, so you guys can bow your heads. God, thank you for all that you do, and thank you for being present in this room tonight, and thank you for moving, and I just ask that you open eyes and ears and hearts, and that you move through me, and that you get me out of the way, Lord, and we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. So, we're going to start out in Colossians 2, verses 9 through 10, and it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to the fullness. He is head over every power and authority. So, basically, if I can just summarize that, it's saying God himself came down from heaven to earth to die for you. That's essentially what that means. So, it's saying the king of kings and the lord of lords took nails in his hands for you and you didn't have to do a single thing for it. And so, And that leads us to verses 11 through 12. And it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So basically, it's talking about baptism. That's all it's talking about. It's talking about your life before baptism and after So essentially, when you get baptized, that's a private decision. It's a decision you're making on your own, and you're sharing it publicly. So what that means is, if the old version of you is dead, you accept the fact that you didn't have to do a single thing. You didn't have to earn his love. You didn't have to do one more task or one more thing. You didn't have to go to one more church service. You didn't have to go to a small group. You didn't have to do any of that in order to be loved. Um, And so that leads us to Colossians 2:13 through 15. And it says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken away, nailing it to the cross. So, what is taking it away? It's talking about, so in the Old Testament, there were about 617 laws that we had to live up to. But obviously, I can't even live up to one of the laws. Like, I can't do it. And essentially, God is saying, oh, I'm going to do it. So that was the point of Jesus coming here, was to live up to the 617 laws, and he did it perfectly for us. So that you don't have to strive for it anymore. Your old self, you don't have to do that. You can walk in what you're called to now, is in your new. And what the Lord is calling you now, so believer, this is what your new identity is. It's holy And it's saved and it's chosen and it's heir. It's perfect and worth it and more than enough. And so I'm just going to camp out on that last one, more than enough. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I struggle with not being good enough. And I just want to speak directly to those people tonight saying, God says you are more than enough in him. You don't have to do anything else. You can drop the act. You don't have to fake it anymore. The Lord wants you as you are. And so we're going to go back to the very beginning in Genesis 3, verses 6 through 9. And it says, and it's a long one, so I'm going to break it down into two parts after. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God had called to the man, where are you? So I'm just going to camp out on this right here. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So it's crazy how things haven't changed, right? Like, all the way back in the beginning, they were covering themselves, and that's still what we're doing in 2020 today. Whether it's, oh, I'm not feeling good enough, so go look at my Instagram, and all these edits, and still don't feel pretty enough, or good enough, so go look at my friend group. Oh, I don't feel good enough, so go look at how I did in sports. Yeah, I'm the best. I'm really good. Look at my grades. I'm like an all-A student, and it's not where we can't just Soak in it and saturate it and we make it our identity and we suffocate it. What about your achievements? How does that look? And then the last part, it says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So God, obviously, he knows everything, right? Like he knows your past, he knows your present, he's going to know your future. So did he really not know where they are? No, he was chasing after them. He wanted them. He was pursuing them. There was nothing that they couldn't do. They couldn't hide from his love and they couldn't run from his love. The truth is the Lord was pursuing them and was in love with them. So, just a little bit ahead, we're going to go to 21. And it says, The Lord God made garments for skin, of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So, for garments to be had, they had to kill something, right? Like, you have to kill something in order for it. So, God had killed an animal, and it covered them. And it's the same thing back then as it is now. See, our God is still the same as he was back then, and that's what I'm trying to show you through these verses, that God is still covering us, but it's not an animal that's covered us, it's Jesus. The perfect sacrifice has been laid down for you and for me, and we can just rest in that. We don't have to perform to that. We can just accept it. So let's go back to Colossians 2.14. And it says, Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he taken it away and nailing it to the cross. So talking about the Old Testament laws, the 617 laws that I mentioned earlier, that's what he's talking talking about. It's talking about how Jesus fulfilled that, so we don't need to focus on that. Our priority, it's important, but our main thing is Jesus. That's why we come to him. We don't come to him to follow rules and regulations. That's already been done for. We have a perfect Savior, and we can rest in that. Because when we rest in that, our outward actions are naturally going to follow that. And so So, these, so I feel like Christians, like we, like we get it, but we don't really believe it. And so I want to challenge you to just rest on that. And for those who haven't given their life to Jesus, I just want to say this to you guys directly, is, He died for the person who has a cussing problem. He died for the person that doesn't come to church every week. He died for the person that's struggling. And God doesn't regret saving you. You haven't surprised him, and you're not going to surprise him. God is not watching where you are this week, watching how you struggle with sins this week, and regretting it. He's not watching you stumble and fall and regret the decision that he made to die for you. And if you guys take one thing away, I want you guys to focus on this. There is no past or present sin that is more powerful than the cross. There is nothing in your past that is separating his love for you. He is still chasing you and pursuing you since the beginning, the foundation of the world. And there's nothing in your future that can stop that either. There's nothing that's going to change that. And you don't disgust him. You didn't he didn't just save your sins once and now it's up to you to do it perfectly. That's not the Jesus that we celebrate. You don't have to have the pressure of living perfectly. And to be truthful, it doesn't matter how you walked into this room, either broken or whole or struggling or not struggling. It doesn't matter because the truth is somebody's chasing after you with all of his affection set on you. It is all about Jesus wanting you. And so we're going to go to Matthew 5.17. And it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So basically what he's saying is those 617 laws, yes, they mattered and they were good for its purpose. And that was to set his people apart and to show how he wants us to live. But that's not our God. That is not why we do things. We do things because we've been set free. So we don't have to clean ourselves up anymore. We don't have to clean ourselves up and then come to Jesus. We don't have to do that. Jesus lived perfectly for us. All we have to do is rest in that and accept it. The love's not earned. It's just accepted. In Colossians 2.15, he says, In having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the key thing here is, he made a public spectacle of them. So God is publicly saying, Zach's going to need a savior. I'm going to need a savior. And the truth is, he's saying the same thing about you. He knows that you're not going to measure up, and you're not going to make it. But the truth is, he doesn't want you to. That's not his goal. He wants you to walk alongside him. Jesus is your standard, not following every rule and regulation. So God is publicly saying that you don't have to be more than you are. He's calling you holy so you can walk in that and you can accept it. Because once I've, once I've realized in my personal life is, publicly, when someone calls me out on something, I don't have to pretend anymore. I can drop the act. And so God is publicly saying, look what I had to do. Look at the cross. I know you didn't measure up. I'm not expecting you to measure up. So we can drop the act, and we don't have to cover up anymore like the garden, because he's going to say, where are you? He's chasing after you. He's pursuing you. Be honest, because I've loved you since the beginning. Don't pretend, because I've already decreed and declared. Everyone's broken. Look at the cross. Look what I chose to do. So you don't have to have it all together. That's not the point. The point's to come as you are, and Jesus is going to work with that. And so, Colossians 2.16, it says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival. So, What Paul's talking about, he's talking specifically to the Jews, and he's talking about how in the Old Testament, out of those 617 laws, the Jewish people had dietary customs. So, meaning, they could choose what they can or can't eat. Like, God had chosen, like, say, you can eat this, but you can't eat this. And so, Paul's saying, that's done. That's been fulfilled in Jesus now. Like, look here. Don't worry about what other people think, don't worry about what other people are saying. Look what Jesus has done for you. Because it's not about the behavior. It's always been about the heart. And if he has your heart, the behavior will naturally flow. So Jesus is the one that saves. And that's not your behavior. And so as Christians, I feel like a lot of the time we are trying to do that next thing. We're focused on, did I sin today? Did I not sin today? Oh, I was good. I didn't do this. But in reality, so we're just covering up with our actions. We're focused more on our actions than what Jesus has done for us, right? And so while we're covering up, we're actually rotting on the inside. We're not attending to the problem. We're not looking at our heart. We're more focused on our outward actions. And so, in the same sense, we're sort of like a mummy. We're walking around rotting underneath with all these layers up. And so tonight, you're going to have the opportunity to take those coverings off. And Colossians two seventeen it says there is were a shadow of the things that were to come the reality however is found in Christ so if you've been surround, if you've been in your Bible and maybe if you haven't I want you to know that whole book points to one thing and that's Jesus since the beginning it's always been about Jesus it's always been and it always will be so you guys can stay there and we're gonna get Genesis three fifteen up on the screen and it says. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And this is back in the garden right after Adam and Eve had sinned. So I'm going to talk about you will strike his heel. So that's talking about, it's prophesying about how, how Jesus is going to die on that cross. How the devil devil's going to have an effect, he's going to die on that cross. But then he's going to say, he will crush your head. And what that means is, Jesus is winning. He's won. He's won the battle. He's defeated the devil, and he's beat evil forever. He's beat it for eternity. So why, why, is, that, why is that important? Because he had a redemption plan for you since the beginning. He has known your past. He knows your future, and he knows your present, and he is for you, and he wants you. He is chasing after you with redemption in his eyes, and you are the beauty in his, high, in his eyes. And so, and I'm going to close with this. So what do you do with this? If you know all this stuff, what do you do with it? And the first thing is do, you surrender. And if you really do believe, like like what I just said is true and what Scripture has been pointing to this whole time, if you believe it, then that will naturally come. See, you don't just sit on it and think, oh, I'm loved, I'm loved, like I have a God that loves me. Yes, he does. But if you really understand it, then that's going to affect your actions and you're going to move. So, my question is, what do you believe more? Do you believe what God is saying about you, or more in this, what culture is telling you, or your friends, or your status? Where is your worth coming from? And I want to challenge the Christians in the room, focus on the heart, and not the behavior. Because truthfully, I've chased behavior, and behavior doesn't add up. It doesn't work, it just drains you, and it makes you tired. And you don't really enjoy Jesus I feel like you miss the point when you're chasing the behavior because it's all about your heart. You actually get to experience the goodness and the richness of the Lord. And so I'm going to pray for us tonight. Um, God, just thank you for all that you are doing in this ministry and the hearts of these students, Lord. know I ask that you continue to move and do what only you can do and to overflood this room. And I ask that you walk beside us and among us and you give us the courage to accept you and to worship you tonight. And in Jesus' name, amen.